0: Damn, 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 son, where'd you find this? Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 19 of the Fly Route Podcast. (laughs) I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. That Montana Plug. And I'm joined here by one of my nearest and dearest friends, Demarcus, a.k.a. Nigga Marcus, a.k.a. Modern Day Slavery. How you doing today, Demarcus?
1: What? What's good? I I didn't get the last one. What did you, you get? Have to explain it. It's, explain what? Modern day slavery. What is that in reference to? Oh, for those who listen to episode eighteen, you remember
0: Kevin Porter Jr., the subject of our tea off, mm-hmm. was recently in an altercation in the Cavs locker room that we'll get into later on in the show. But he was heard reportedly yelling. Modern Day Slavery at the GM, Kobe Altman. Got it, got it, got it. I'll comment on that later. <laughs> I'll hold that comment for now. All right, so last week we gave everybody our division around predictions. We both went three and one. We split on the Ravens-Titans game and the Bucks-Saints game. You mm-hmm. know, I still take time
1: over time. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought that was a joke. Wow. <laughs> okay, nigga,
0: get shady. So, this upcoming week, we have the conference championship games, Buck versus Packers. Who are you taking? Go, pack, go. It's hard for me to not take the pack in this situation. <laughs> well, you I, know who I'm picking in the AFC. I, oh, Chiefs
1: versus Bills? Absolutely. I like the Bills. I like the Bills, but we know. <laughs> All right, so Patrick we're on Mahomes the same is- side
0: here. I, I, I thought that would be the case, so I got a bonus for you. This Friday, when we drop, Celtics play the 76ers. Who do you have? 76ers. Ooh, we are going to be on the
1: same side for all three. I've been big on
0: the Sixers since
1: those trades. So it's not even the trades. It's something about the what Doc Rivers has done to this team has made them work better. Tobias Harris is, is playing much, much better than he did. Um, getting rid of Al Horford, open up spacing. The team has looked That's really well. Has looked really well. Seth Curry. Seth Curry adding shooting along with the extra spacing. I think uh, they will beat Brooklyn right now. I'm not sure who would win in a seven-game series, though.
0: Oh, man. The way it's looking for me, it, I think Philly's going to come out the East right now.
1: Wow. Wow. That's a lot, considering Boston's there, uh, Brooklyn's there, I, Milwaukee's Ro- there. Brooklyn, I'm
0: concerned with. Milwaukee. Milwaukee It's still Milwaukee. They're going to dominate during the regular season, and then we'll see what happens in the postseason. I don't think the addition to their team was enough, so we have an exciting show for everybody today. We are going to get into our second iteration of the RPO Run Pass segment, where we give you some of the biggest headlines in sports news this week and let you know whether or not we're going to run with them or pass on them, give you the fly route and update on Kevin Porter Jr., give you a pretty comprehensive update on the NFL coaching positions, the head coaching positions, and play a little game we like to call the enemy or bust, and give a big baller's bouquet to Lamar Jackson and the Bills Mafia. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route. The fly route. Welcome to the tea off. Oh, 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 oh,
1: spill that tea, sis.
0: This is how we like to start our show off. We like to spill some tea on our favorite athletes and some of the crazy situations they get themselves into. This week. I have The Wondrous Tales of Malik Beasley. 2016 first round pick to the Denver Nuggets. Recently was traded to the Timberwolves. And currently is averaging almost 20 points a game this year. So we'll start with the more popular part of this story. You might have heard about this part, Demarcus. Malik Beasley is currently dating Larsa Pippen.
1: I think I have heard about that part.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Right. That Larsa Pippen former wife of Scottie Pippen. This is getting a lot of play in the media right now, particularly because Larsa Pippen is like twice Malik Beasley's age.
1: She could be his mother. Okay.
0: Yes. He's 24 and they started seeing each other when he was 23. She's 46.
1: Absolutely could be his mother and a reasonable age at that.
0: Yes. So I don't really care about that part and neither should you. I get why it's, Interesting for people, the gender stuff on this, I won't really play it out. Like, this is very common.
1: We went through that in July,
0: yeah. So, like, this is very common, and it doesn't get as much headlines when the dude is the person that's twice the age. I'm gonna let it go for that reason. However, the second reason why this is getting a lot of play and it is way better is when Malik and Larsa went public with their relationship. He was still married to a woman named Montana Yao, who he has one kid with. Montana Yao is a Instagram model. Of course. Like they all are. And also a rapper. So don't don't put her in a box, nigga. Don't put her in a box. She got skills, nigga. So photos were taken on November 23rd of Pippin and Malik Beasley linking arms together it got put out on social media in like December, early December. And this is the crazy part. When the pictures start going around, Montana is like, yo, I had no idea my husband was with Larson Pippen. <laughs> She's like, wow. Look, quote, wow. I don't even know this man. This is wild, y'all. I am seeing it for the first time just like y'all.
1: Um, So that's a lot first i mean i don't know why i would be talking about it on social media or wherever she said that that quote at the first thing i would do if i were her would be calling my lawyer my divorce attorney ding 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 that is actually what she did i didn't even know that
0: (laughs) yes indeed so literally days after these photos are coming out she has filed for divorce Mm -hmm. like it so like she hit her lawyer up with the quickness They got the paperwork going. The papers were filed within days of this photo leaking. So she definitely took the nigga Marcus here.
1: (laughs) Immediately went to the law. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, listen. There are some things for which the law is the perfect remedy. And when it comes to, uh, you know, adultery, divorce, and lawyers are are, are a great remedy. Actually, the the best remedy. (laughs) Now, it's crazy because... Larsa
0: Pippen is just like, yo, this ain't this ain't this ain't how it happened. We were not. They were no longer together when yeah. we started seeing each other. She's like, they mm-hmm. were no longer together when we started seeing each other. And like, I've been long divorced, so y'all need to let this shit go. And honestly, I think this nigga Malik Beasley hit Montana with the future. You were still married. I was single, nigga. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, there is an argument to be made there, though I will say even if he was quote unquote separated and still married on paper, on paper, he's in the wrong as far as what it was actually like. I, I have no idea. Yo, I don't like, look,
0: he then like took her out on a yacht, had like a big birthday celebration, took a ton of pictures with her. Posted Larsa Pippen on the snap, like giving her kisses on the forehead. My man was just giving it all the public, everything, nigga. As soon as it, as soon as it got leaked, he was like, "I mean, well, damn, nigga, they already know, so I might as well do my thing." <laughs> now this is crazy because Montana responded back to Larsa, and she was like, "Look, you was lying. I knows you was lying, and don't speak on my relationship
1: and my name." We have receipts. Well, it sounds like they're done. First off, <laughs> yeah. So, where are you at with this right now? It sounds like if both of them would have said nothing in public, everything would be, at least to our knowledge, fine. Beasley will be getting his divorce. <laughs> you know, Pippin can keep doing her thing, no drama, and they wouldn't be I, like they wouldn't be fighting because this is obviously them fighting in the media. Montana's like Montana's like I didn't even know they were seeing each other.
0: I'm married. I'm together with this nigga. Like he having other bitches. I found out when y'all found out the same way y'all found out, nigga. That's what she's saying. Oh, oh,
1: oh, I okay. If that is the case, if that is the case, he's he's a very good liar. <laughs> um, I mean if he had all these women believing <laughs> that they were the only one? <laughs> yeah. Uh he's damn good. Um he should write a book. <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, uh, big situation. Obviously, this is gonna affect him on the court. I believe these kind of things always. You've been hooping.
0: Yes, this shit happened in December. My man's has been hooping twenty
1: points a game. So right now, uh, this is my theory. Right now, when things first hit, people turn to basketball as their 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 um safe place. They escape from their problems etc. A lot of players ball out when they have legal trouble or personal <laughs> trouble uh, but eventually once the the process starts to roll, in this case he is playing out some dispute with, with Miss Pimpin uh, he uh, is going through what is going to probably be a nasty divorce in the media. And Teammates, he got a kid. And he got a kid. Teammates and media will probably ask about this. I'm not making any prediction that he will not be balling in the near term future. But once all this stuff, the ball gets rolling on it, there's some more time passes, it very well could impact him. Either A, just because his play is diminished, because his focus and attention are somewhere else. He has to spend days either going to court or on Zoom court. I don't know when proceedings will take place. But and that, that obviously takes away from things. Now, it's not criminal. It's not, it's not Kobe. It's not Big Ben. It's not nothing like that. It's not, it's not even Mike Vick, right? But, <laughs> but media will ask questions. Uh, of him, of his teammates. Uh, will it be a distraction to the team? Possibly. And if it becomes too much of a distraction, if the story does get bigger and it becomes a mainstream kind of thing, I could easily see the team saying, why don't you take a couple weeks away from the team and oh. kind of get your get your, your life together.
0: Now, look, this is interesting, Demarcus, because you're like the court stuff. It can take a lot of his extra time. You know I like to do this. Because apparently
1: he had lot, lots of extra time before, but now it's going to be consumed by this. There's a twist. You know I love me of a course, good twist, nigga. Of course.
0: Of course, you always holding out. You know I love me a good twist. So on September 26th, Beasley was arrested after police say he pointed an assault rifle at a family of people that had approached his rental home during a like home to, tour parade thing in Minneapolis. Now... Based off this incident, the charges I'm gonna give you them out front because they're very important. Beasley is facing a threat of felony violence charge, and Beasley and his his wife at the time, mm-hmm. right Montana mm-hmm. Yao, are both facing fifth degree drug possession charges. Drug? What?
1: You didn't mention anything about
0: drugs. Yeah, yeah, nigga, ain't this it? See, it's gonna get interesting, ain't it? So. Let me walk you through what happens. According to the police report, during the Parade of Homes, a couple and their 13-year-old daughter pull up, right, in, like, the driveway of Mm -hmm. the place where Beasley is staying. They see that it's roped off, and they can't go any further. They start looking up the next house to go to, and while they're sitting in their SUV waiting, Beasley approaches the car, taps on the window with an assault rifle, Yeah, an all black assault rifle with a forehand grip. You know, they gave you the details, nigga. You know,
1: they gave you the details. Probably got him a nice little AR kit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, get the fuck off his property. Okay, that's a little bit much. Yeah. Um, I have, personally, I have pulled up somewhere all the time. You know, you're at the wrong place, you stop. While you're parked, take a couple minutes to get your GPS together or Google something. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> done this. Everybody's done this. And if I looked up from my from my maps, my Google maps, and saw the end of an AR <laughs> and I was white, I'd be very afraid. Yo. <laughs> so, and then apparently, as they drive
0: away from the driveway, he is pointing his gun at them the entire time, my nigga. Okay. And I don't know. what is, What is it with niggas and guns and just unreasonable behavior? Even though this is like, granted, the whitest thing possible he could have done. Like, this is the angry old white man NRA trope. Get the fuck off my property. Well, no,
1: this is the, the people in St. Louis <laughs> yeah. the, during the, the protest this summer. <laughs> but those people got felony charges, I believe. Yes, they did. And so I guess if they can get it now, he sure can get it.
0: Nigga, exactly. So this incident... Prompted multiple nine one one calls. Not just the family with their kid that got the gun put on them. Of course, they called nine one one, but also apparently another person on the road
1: sees what's happening and then also calls nine one one. Well, of course, if you see somebody, and we've all been in cases like this, if you see something <laughs> happening, you may not go. I mean, yeah, I ain't saying shit. I'm not going to go investigate <laughs> like some people would. But if, you know, I might maybe like, uh, there's somebody getting assaulted, I think. About to get shot outside. I ain't seen Y'all want to pull up? Well, after the fact, I I ain't seen nothing. That was an anonymous call. I didn't call. I don't know who that was.
0: I'm telling y'all, Demarcus is a snitch-ass nigga. Anonymous call. Oh, my God. That's the new AKA
1: Demarcus Anonymous call. (laughs) Am I supposed to run outside (laughs) when somebody has an AR?
0: No, nigga. I'm supposed to mind my own business. The fuck
1: you mean? Oh my god! I don't think it's unreasonable. I don't think I'm being unreasonable or snitching. You're doing it in broad daylight in the middle of some probably really hey, nice neighborhood look. in Minneapolis. You just sloppy. It is a nice neighborhood. It has the house is like six thousand six
0: hundred square feet. Has an indoor basketball exactly. court. It is like ridiculous. Like they're having a home tour parade at this. House. It's the middle of the day in
1: a major American city on a nice day. Home tour, whatever. Like he's being very unreasonable. I don't think I'd be unreasonable as a passerby to call the police. Yeah, I know, because
0: that's because you were snitched negative. But let's keep it moving. The police show up. They're like, we got to search the house for this gun. There were reports of you literally threatening a family of people, including a 16-year-old girl. And we're investigating this, right? So they enter the house and they apparently detect, and I quote, an overwhelming odor of marijuana. Oh my God. That's probably an exaggeration. Guess how much marijuana they found? A couple O's. Is that your final guess? Yeah, that seems reasonable. 1.8 pounds. Were they opening a dispensary? 1.8 pounds. So they find 1.8 pounds of weed. They claim they found the rifle that was matching the incident report, right? A 12-gauge shotgun and a handgun and that one of these guns was stolen.
1: Woo. This sounds like, um, well, real back, circle back to my original <laughs> argument. This is going to be, he's going to be a real big distraction <laughs> in about three months probably when everything starts to open back up and you got to go to court like twice a week for two different things, for divorce <laughs> and for his drug and possible attempted assault charges. So, man's was strap, strap. Oh, he keeps that thing with him <laughs> at all times. And if you take that one, he got two more.
0: And the police also see surveillance footage where they see him in the home grabbing the gun, going outside. Ah, they match the timestamps.
1: So to the old Her- Aaron Hernandez security <laughs> system. That, yeah, thats Len.
0: They literally match the timestamps to uh, the incident reports, how long the incident happened, him putting back the gun. They got all of it nigga All of it All of it Now It's when it gets interesting DeMarcus Okay Please do tell Now it's when it gets interesting Montana Took the fall For all of the weed Ooh All 1.8 pounds of it nigga I'm recanting That's 835 grams Nigga I'm recanting They found it in the basement In the living room In the office It was everywhere
1: I was like It was his And he threatened me with the gun <laughs> come on if she says that would you be surprised
0: uh no if I did not already know how things were playing out so far oh so you if
1: you have more you're holding
0: it, out oh, nigga I mean I'm telling the story <clears throat> tell it look sequencing is important Demarcus. Marcus okay you know you gotta get people hooked in it's like and then there's a twist but wait there's more so look she claims all of it was hers she said that she got it all at a medical marijuana dispensary Right. According mm. to the Minneapolis Star mm. Tribune. That's, However, a, that's a damn lie. Yes, nigga. She was not able to tell them where the purchase was made, what dispensary she she got it at. Like, of course, they ask questions like, what dispensary did you go to? Uh, where is said dispensary? What's the name of it? She cannot provide any of those names. They're like, do you have a receipt? Proof of purchase? She did not have that. And worst off, she literally does not have an ID for medical marijuana.
1: Right. Right. Because I was going to say, I don't think that many, uh, Minnesota is a legal state. It is not a legal state, definitely. A medical state. Yeah. And so, like, if,
0: not only did she lie and take the rap, it's a badass lie, nigga. Like, obviously, she it's not her drugs. Oh, my God. But but she took the rap for this nigga. Now, this happens in, like, September 26th, right? Okay. Less than a month later, in, in October 24th, you know people got the receipts and they have screenshots of Malik Beasley commenting on Larsa Pippen's shit saying, I want to take you on a date and treat you like a queen. Less than a month after she just took the
1: felony charge. Ah, uh, I think this is where I'm supposed to say niggas ain't shit?
0: Ooh, niggas ain't shit and you <laughs> know it, nigga. Ooh, like you
1: thought Future was toxic, God. Future and got shit on this, nigga. I, I'm sure there are plenty of, you know, Beasleys out there in the world running wild. Look, it's just like, make it add up. Like, do you think if they
0: had been separated for as long as Larsa Pippen claims and that they were getting divorced anyway and ain't nothing bad happened, she would have taken that
1: charge? Hell no. Mm, nigga. Make it add up. Make it add up. I would need some real good calculus and, um, I'm not too good at that. Uh-huh. So-
0: Malik Beasley pleads guilty to the felony threats of violence charge. He's not going to get off of that. But taking the plea, his drug charge gets dismissed. Montana is the only one being charged with the drug thing. So, like, literally she takes the rap for him. They plea him down. He takes the felony threats of violence charge. And he's going to get jail time or house arrest. But it will not be any longer than 120 days. And it can only start after the end of the NBA season. Ridiculous. So he gets like the best deal possible he can for like he's obviously guilty. Like they got surveillance footage of you doing this shit, and she takes the charge for the drug for the fifth degree. Yeah, that's drug a lot. possession. That's a lot. Yeah, nigga. a lot of weight. And if he gets his, if he competes, completes his probation, they'll reduce it to a misdemeanor. Like he got the best fucking deal. His who's, lawyer's who's cashed his lawyer? out. I don't have his lawyers names, but them niggas bought out. And I feel like that would be good promo for them niggas. They're going to have to pay for that. Now,
1: they can't say that they're his lawyers, but he can say who his lawyers
0: are. Mm. I want to say that's that's probably open source information at this point. They probably made some statements on his court documents. Yeah.
1: Statements, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So, nigga, Malik Beasley is foul. Reasonable recipient of our tee off. Oh, oh Spit that tea, ooh, sis! Spit that tea, ooh. sis! Let's 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 stop, playboy!
0: All right, let's get into our RPO segment, the run pass option. This is where we like to give you some of the major major headlines in sports news this week, and let you know whether or not we are going to run with them or pass on them demarcus take us away
1: all right so i got a few hot topics for you i'm gonna start off with the nba so right now as you know it's january 2021 we just had the inauguration of the 46th president joseph r biden and a big part of his first 100 days is going to be to speed up vaccine deployment now the nba is currently in talks with the nba pa to have nba players Uh, take the vaccine on camera as a PSA to increase vaccination rates among the black community. Do you think this will work? So here
0: here's where I'm going to tell you. We'll start off with the fact that the NBA is having a COVID crisis so I don't think that this is necessarily as what's the word I want to use? innocuous. as they're making it seem also fair. Right? They've had to so far postpone 16 games they had 11 new cases this week and They're starting to do things that are clearly going to be much more of a problem going forward. So recently, the NBA said they're going to start moving a security team to half court of all the games to dissuade violations of the upgraded protocols. So we talked about them last week, how they're going to stop hugging, people dapping each other up, Mm -hmm. you know, high fives. And we were all like, clearly no one's going to follow those fucking rules. Right? Of course. And immediately, of course, no one followed those fucking rules. So now the NBA is basically going to police the league by literally putting a security force on the court.
1: I guess, you know, pregame, warm-ups, and and halftime when you come back out, maybe? No, like, they're going to be mid-court at half-court. Yeah, I'm saying those are the times of the game. Like, pregame, when when guys walk up, half-court, talk to each other during warm-ups, halftime, post-game. Let's post back to
0: George Hill's comment. Okay. Right? If it's that serious... Mm-hmm. Maybe we shouldn't be playing the game. I think a lot of people are going to start feeling like that.
1: I mean, they were in a bubble
0: before. It's been that serious. It's not the same. They're like, you want us to? Is that remember we talked about this? Run, mm-hmm. jump, sweat, wiping each other's face, but we can't give each other high fives and daps. Really? Right.
1: So you think that this is a a a, a part of a scheme by the NBA to incentivize? Right. Players getting the vaccine.
0: Yes. And you remember immediately when things were first developing for the vaccine, Adam Silver was like, we don't want to jump the line because we're the NBA. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, the FDA is like, hey, maybe you all should jump the line for the greater good. It allows him to get some cover for what we
1: already anticipated they might need. Oh, well. We all know that the the way out of this pandemic and the way back to any sense of normalcy is flat out everybody, as many people as possible, getting the vaccine, and that will hopefully stop transmission of the virus. You know, they don't know for sure if those who are fully vaccinated will uh, not spread the virus. We just know that if you get vaccinated, your chance of getting sick or becoming very ill is very very low. But I think with the basic mask wearing and facilities and vaccinations you can stop lots of the transmissions which are mostly happening I believe in team facilities and not during games.
0: Okay. Now, I want to ask you this as you know, DeMarcus has recently just got vaccinated. Yes, I have. DeMarcus vaccinated, you know, a nigga pushing the final frontier. All the time it's All the right. new frontier but then you just started coughing again a lot and oh, now I'm like yo bro what the fuck's going on my over god. here
1: bro I- <laughs> you know I'm not gonna say anything else about this I'm gonna look you dead in the eye and I'm gonna tell him this you know why I'm coughing it ain't got nothing to do with the Rona we can move on now oh my god okay <laughs> alright control yourself please uh <laughs>
0: I got one for you, DeMarcus. The end of an era. Drew Brees reportedly going to retire as well as Phillip Rivers. Their final games. Drew Brees threw three picks. Mm -hmm. Do these final games
1: damage these quarterbacks' legacies? So I'll take this. Um, No, but only one of them is a Hall of Famer, and it's not Rivers. Okay. And I don't think the final games change that at all. All right. Lamar losing.
0: Played pretty bad against the Bills, lost mm-hmm. another playoff game, and people are already ready to start calling the win against the Titans a fluke and reviving the Lamar Jackson can't win in the playoffs narrative. Run or pass.
1: Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna run and I'm gonna run real slow. This is this is what he is gonna be. Until Lamar proves he can go on a playoff run and win multiple games in any postseason. Um, the kind of elephant on his back is going to be that he can't win playoff games. Um, He can be an MVP. He can be an amazing regular season quarterback, but people will always bring that up. They will compare him to other running quarterbacks who have not won lots of playoff games or had their big moment like Michael Vick. I don't, I'm not saying they're right. I think that there are some flaws in Lamar's game that are contributing to this. Um, I think we saw even in that win um, that he did have in the Walcott round, the way they got back in that game was how? Him running the football, not him throwing the football. He did have that ridiculous run.
0: He It was an amazing Several run. Several of them, honestly. The one that iced the game where he sat down and mm-hmm. the one before for the touchdown. Mm-hmm. But we also saw him get big comebacks throwing the ball this year.
1: Um, he now now I will say at moments Lamar can throw the ball very well, very accurately. The problem right now is the uh ability for him to do that consistently, week in and week out, and especially in the playoffs when teams are game planning specifically for his skill set, so that even if he passes the ball, the other team's defense is setting up their defense to try to take away what kind of passes he likes the most, which any good defense will do. Any defense in the playoffs is gonna be able to do. Things like that. That is one of, for example, the principles right out of Bill Belichick's playbook. It's not, I'm going to take away what you like to do, and then I'm also going to have something for what you like to do next.
0: He's like one of the youngest quarterbacks in the NFL, but we should move on.
1: No, I mean, absolutely. You're right, but this is what it's going to be until he until he moves on and pass this. All right. So next up, we had a recent trade, what we talked about last week with James Harden, and One of the players in the trade, Karis Levert, went from the Brooklyn Nets over to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, As a part of the medical examination for the trade, they discovered a spot on his liver. And as a result, the Pacers had the option of either turning uh, to basically undo the trade or to receive additional compensation. They chose to take additional compensation. Does that tell you anything about Levert's long-term prognosis? based on what the Pacers did here. Run or pass? So we'll pass
0: here. First and foremost, it, they found a growth on his kidney. Oh, kidney. I'm sorry. They And I think that really they did upend the trade because I feel like it's not the end of the world. But this trade, the amazing story here is that this could have possibly saved his life going forward. And that is the biggest thing. The Pacers got two milk in compensation from Brooklyn as well. It doesn't really change their outline for what they want to happen here. Oladipo was someone that they couldn't keep. They needed a young star that could grow with them.
1: They still got that. Okay, that seems reasonable. I think, you know, won't say too much as well about this, but I do think the idea that they didn't up in the trade because it's not the end of the world is a sign about his prognosis um, and probably a good thing. I'm going to be rooting for him, praying for him, hoping for the best. We thought he was already a good player in Brooklyn and want to see him do well Indiana. We talked about last week how he could have so much potential there and how he could grow and build into a star there. And I really want to see him do that. So I have another topic for you that I think we're actually going to be sitting on for a minute because this is okay this is the big moment that's happened in the NBA so far. So we have the the Harden to Brooklyn trade, the big four-team trade that also involves Keris Levert. So now we got the new-look Nets. We've already seen a couple games with um, KD and Harden, but now Kyrie is finishing up his quarantine and getting a couple of practices under his belt. He's coming back. What does this team look like? Is this a workable playoff team, a contender in the East with all three players? Do they work together?
0: Okay, here's where I'm at. The new-look Nets are impressive, and they should get Kyrie back today. They'll play their first game with all of all of them together. But Kyrie is secondary to the idea of what we should be thinking about here. KD is averaging 30-plus on over 50% from the field. James Harden came back and snapped back. Instantly triple-double. Seems very comfortable with the ball in his hands, really to facilitate for a team instead of just doing all his iso-dribble stuff. Mm-hmm. And he could lead the league in assists. But more importantly, if James decides to move
1: when the ball isn't in his hands, how do you guard that team? It becomes quite a nightmare. I think the the question is about ego and, in, and really Kyrie Irving. I think James, at least thus far, has shown that he's willing to be that willing passer that you talk about. I was watching the game the other night. He had a clutch, clutch assist to KD for a three in the end of the fourth quarter that helped them, I think, win that game. And so the question is, Kyrie, does Kyrie believe that he's the third best player on this team that he actually is? Because there is, despite him having won a championship, people will chalk up most of that to LeBron. And so, but James Harden's had a team by himself. He's gotten them to the conference championship game. He has been an MVP. He has set scoring records. Kevin Durant, we know, has been an MVP in this league. He has been the leader of a team in OKC. He's adapted to a new team in Golden State. He's won multiple championships, multiple finals, MVPs, etc. I think KD is the best player on this team. I think KD should be the alpha, the but leader. But he's also
0: the guy that needs the ball the least, and that's why it can work.
1: Right. He KD needs the can ball sacrifice. the least. Like,
0: he's the most efficient scorer in the NBA.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At that volume, it's incredible. No, but the question is, will KD step up and be that alpha, and will Kyrie accept that he's the third best player on this team? Kyrie's leverage
0: is way different than it was before. I think think we'll see a lot more, I don't want to call it well-behaved Kyrie. Respectable Kyrie. I I, I hate that phrase, but we'll see Kyrie play to win because when that championship is on the line, people are much more willing to sacrifice when they see it and they believe it. And with those three people on the court, I think what we should be worried about is defense, defense, Oh, absolutely. Because their not defense about, is atrocious and they have no big, and it's not going to get any better with Kyrie. They have a big, it's just not enough. Stop. I, I feel like people are really disrespecting oh DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan will give them a consistent double double a night. He will get boards and catch lobs, and that's his only fucking job. And he's going to be great at that job. Boards and lobs. Boards and lobs. He he's can a little do old too but okay. He is old, but like, I get it. Boards and lobs. That's his job. Defender rim, boards and lobs. He can fulfill that role and fulfill that role well. They don't need him to come up on the pick and rolls because you probably want to pick and roll between KD, Kyrie, or Harden, KD, because KD is functionally another big on the court. And that's what people are not really
1: thinking about. KD is seven foot, he is. He is another big on the court. Plays great defense, and they probably will have him play more of the five. But even between KD and Deandre, well, first off, I don't want KD playing a bunch of five, coming back off an Achilles injury and being the He'll size do it that he when is. It matters
0: in the playoffs.
1: Okay, I still think they need another big to help with depth, especially if Jordan gets nicked or something, which could happen easily. There's some questions. Um, I think, like we said, Kyrie is the the key part if he is willing to play his role and kind of manage his ego a bit more than he already has been. I think this, the sky is the, the limit for this team. Do they beat the Lakers in a seven game series? And eh, I'm not ready to go
0: there yet. I don't think this is the team that we'll see in the playoffs. Like the trade deadline is still out in front of us. They, the buyout market, I think is going to be huge for this team. They have a mid-level exception. They have a disabled player exception and they have a minimum exception which will all be cap space that plays out when the buyout market happens. They can still make a trade or two with the trade deadline. And also anybody that really shines in the G League, because we see a lot of veterans Mm -hmm. going to the G League bubble this year to get called up and signed to a team, especially in the world where the NBA is considering expanding rosters because of COVID issues. So I feel like this is not the next team you will see come playoffs, but that, Is a good thing because it can help them fill some of their vacancies, but it's also a bad thing as far as chemistry and building, you know, a kind of team where everybody knows their role. So it will be a double-edged sword for the Nets, but I think the Nets are huge. You should probably pencil them in for the Eastern Conference Finals.
1: Okay. I am ready to say, I don't know. I I think I want to say Eastern Conference Finals, but I'm thinking there's just like a logjam in the East that's going to happen in the second round. Where you're going to have, I think, uh, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, and Brooklyn. And okay, yes, Brooklyn can beat all those teams, but the question is, do they? Do they actually they get it done? just beat Milwaukee. Okay, Milwaukee can't shoot. Uh, is Milwaukee going to magically learn how
0: to shoot between now and then? No, but... Is Giannis going to develop a post game between now and then, or is he going to keep jacking up three-point shots? He's
1: going to keep shooting the three, obviously. Okay, so I'm not concerned. But I still think in a seven-game series, Boston or Philly could push them. Um,
0: I'm not. Who's I'm not concerned with Boston either, man. I'm telling you, who is Boston going to have defend Kevin Durant? We know Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart will have to somehow take Kyrie and Harden, and that will even be difficult for them. Or put uh, Tatum on them. Tatum is not a defender. Katie might average forty
1: in that series. Look, if Jason Tatum. Is Katie might do that defender. against a good defender. No, he said last time he was in the playoffs, <laughs> I'm Kevin Durant. You know my name? I'm Kevin
0: Durant. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just saying they don't
1: have the defensive
0: stoppers on that Celtics team to match up with the Nets and the Nets can just put up so many points.
1: Uh that's fair. I think it'll hinge on
0: Kyrie and Harden. And also people don't understand Kyrie is a really good spot-up shooter. Oh, I'm I I know that Kyrie is a good spot-up shooter. So, like, honestly, people are just like, how is this going to work? And I think it might work
1: beautifully. Well, if both Kyrie and Harden stop all of the the hero ball, dribble, dribble, dribble. It's different. It's different. You're playing next to Kevin
0: Durant. You know when Kyrie never played hero ball next to LeBron? Okay.
1: Okay. You say that. But remember Russ and OKC. There's a reason KD left. That's what I'm saying. So, I think Russ was the problem.
0: And he's shown that he is the problem. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And that's a whole goes. other... So,
0: like, saying OKC okay, doesn't make sense because KD went to the Warriors well, to just... prove that he could fit within a system that shares oh, the ball.
1: no, it's not a question of KD. It's a question of ego and will, when the time, when push comes to shove, will Harden and and Kyrie actually see to uh, to KD or will they try to take those shots themselves? I think they should see to KD. I think KD's the best player. This I think he should be the alpha. This is
0: the weird thing, though. I think you always go with... I think they're a team that will go with the hot hand, but most importantly, go with the best look. And if you're saying ISO from get, you're
1: probably going to give it to KD or Harden. Okay. Okay. I but guess. I don't think they should ISO from get many plays. This is the last thing I'll say on this, and then we can, we can move on. I just, I'm not going to trust that Harden or Kyrie will play the free kind of flowing basketball that we did see with KD in Golden State that we're saying that he needs to do. You have seen him do it, just not Modern James Harden,
0: i.e. Thunder James Harden. You've seen him do something like that before. It is just not what was built for him in Houston. So I think that that's like the least fair criticism of James Harden is what I'm okay. trying to say.
1: It it sounds like uh, I mean this flowed naturally very well, but it sounds like we need to come back to this. What will the Nets do in the playoffs? Thing some other time. I think I like the new I'm look Nets. Philly. Remember that. I'm
0: taking Philly out the East right now. So I'm not even saying the Nets are coming out the East for sure. I'm saying book them for the conference finals.
1: It's it's a playboy affair.
0: All right. Let's get into the fly route for this week. You all know Kevin Porter Jr., the subject of our tee-off last week. And he is expected to be traded or released from the Cavs following an outburst that happened last Friday, literally when we dropped the episode, his first day being back in the facility at all. Porter apparently became enraged because the Cavs gave his old locker to Torian Prince, who was acquired from Brooklyn in the 14 trade that we covered last week. And Porter realized that his locker was in a different place they moved it to where the younger bench players lockers are. Mm -hmm. And he was not fucking having it. So he felt he was disrespected. Even though the team is like, yo, we moved your locker because we do our lockers based off the new COVID protocols and how we have to space you all out and seniority in the NBA. But this nigga could not stand it. He got into it with the GM, Kobe Altman. He got into a yelling fit. He reportedly was throwing food. During this fit and was heard yelling modern day slavery.
1: Real quick. Is there some kind of ghost in the Cleveland Cavaliers facility that loves to throw food that what? possesses players like J.R. Smith or, you know, Porter Jr. We can't confirm that it was soup this time. Okay. It wasn't soup, <laughs> but I mean, within, what has this, been three, four years, we've had multiple Cavs players throw food at, at team uh, staff. Team staff. Yes. Yeah, so apparently Kobe
0: is trying to calm him down. He can't, and he snaps back, and he and they were like, he has to go. J.B. Bickerstaff, the guy that was like, we are here to develop our players as a more professional vocation, and we're going to stand by our players, said that he was shocked and disgusted at his behavior. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy that was like, did you punch that bitch? Maybe. Driving with, like, a gun and... Possibly the influence, creating a huge crash. Okay. You know, doing trigger hands at a security guard in front of the police on body cam footage. We will stand by him. But this, he was shocked and disgusted. So, they're planning to trade him. That brings us to the fly route. What team do you think should trade for Kevin Porter Jr.?
1: You know, I thought about this for a little bit. I'll I'll say there are not a lot of great options. I think the same thing I said about Beasley in the the tee-off is there's so much drama around this guy right now that I'm not sure that lots of teams will want him. I'm not sure contenders will want him. He'll be a distraction. Like we said, he hasn't played most of the season. He's had several different um, off-the-court incidents, etc. He's still very young. He was the 30th overall pick. I think moving him was not disrespectful whatsoever,
0: they're like, yo, you know the COVID protocol stuff, man. We got to move Oh, we ain't even got to lie.
1: We, we They ain't even got to lie. Oh. Listen, you or the 30th pick. You're only 20 years old. You played 50 games last season, did all right, averaged like 10 points a game. And then this year, you've acted a damn fool. And you, you haven't even showed and up. And you have not you played a away. game. Now, and he was actually pissed about that.
0: He wanted to come back, and he was mad that they were holding him out and –
1: Apparently, first day back at the facility, he's going to act a fucking fool. Now, listen, the reason they were holding him out, and from my understanding, is reporting says they had tried to work with him to improve his personal life to be more stable so that he would get into less incidents. And so it's not like the team was bailing on him. They obviously were investing time, money, and resources into him. Yes, yes, exactly that. And so for him to come in and do this, just like you don't understand what kind of privilege you have already to be getting the chance to come back at all after what you've done for many many people in many 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 professions if you had done what he was accused of you were already fired from your day job and you're at home looking for work it is only because he is an nba or an athlete that a professional athlete that he's even getting this kind of second third and fourth chance okay so the fly route what team it's do you Memphis. think should make it? It's Memphis. Memphis. Okay. So crazy, maybe out of the ballpark. Memphis is a team that is on the fringes of the Western Conference playoff race. Probably not going to make it. Um, They've had some key injuries early in the season that's going to put them behind what's going to be a very, very close race in a shortened season. Um, You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. is out. They just got John Morant back. And so they could use some more depth at the forward position. Um, They can bring him in. I think it's a fit. They're still actually waiting on Jaron Jackson Jr. to come back from an injury, I think a knee injury right now. And so it helps out um either if one of them gets hurt to hurt again, or just literally play off our depth for later on in the season. When maybe you're resting guys, maybe guys are nicked, etc. They're on the the kind of verge of the playoffs. So the risk, reward, makeup makes sense for the Grizzlies. Like I said, a lot of contenders are not going to be trying to trade for him. So you can probably offer a second round pick and Get him very easily on the cheap, plug him in, see what he can do. Watch a little bit of Memphis, been hearing a lot of good things about Memphis lately. The culture there seems to be being developed in the right way and turned around. I think having a clean start, a fresh slate with other young players who are trying to, you know, build up themselves in this league, but also can be examples for Porter to be like, this is how you are a young star in this league. This is how you act. This is how you play. Is it perfect? No, I don't think there's a perfect fit for this guy at this moment, but I think Memphis makes a lot of sense for both sides as far as him getting the chance to play based on the the lineup and what they need, and um, Memphis getting a high upside, low risk as far as draft capital expended to get him in the building. So I'm not a fan of
0: Memphis because the team is so young. You don't want to insert something that volatile into a not-really-established culture where he can do a lot of relatable things with those people and throw things off for you. My choice for the fly route is the Portland Trailblazers. You first and foremost for me, you want to get this dude somewhere where there's fucking nothing. So he has nothing to do but focus on basketball and stop getting himself into trouble. That's like the first and foremost thing for him. So like send that dude to Portland. And I think that's great as a reset for him. Portland's also a team that, is good but they are also missing some key players to injury they lost cj he's going to be out for a while they lost nurk he's going to be out for a while they've always kind of been short on the wings so that gives them some depth they can use he can actually produce play minutes and will be one of the better wing players on their team that's available he also appears to be very tight with carmelo anthony he was seen working out with him doing practices with him you know, all the videos, et cetera. And I think what he needs is a strong veteran presence, right? Someone to take him under their wing, someone to show him how to move around the NBA, the traps to avoid, how you want to how you want to do things. And Portland is that perfect team because you can't upset the culture of Portland. It's set. CJ, Dame, Mello, a lot of vets, a lot of people that understand how the league works, and a good place for you to try to restart and get behind or ahead of some of the things that have happened in your past. I agree with you. He'll be pretty cheap, second-round pick. That's why I love it for a team like Portland, because he has a big upside for them in his rota- In their rotation already.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I'll first say, if you're really trying to send him somewhere where nothing is at, you, that's obviously Utah. I mean, NBA Yo, players, Utah, a, yes. Utah. Utah, yes. It's, yeah, I, I, that's all I'll say about that. But uh, more importantly, as far as like the the Portland veteran leadership thing, et cetera, I get that for the most part. I just think that at this point he's done enough bad things that he should have enough experience to learn from that already. He just threw food at somebody seven days ago from when you all will hear this, so maybe this last incident, you know, and getting traded will be the the straw that broke the camel's back, and <laughs> it'll be his wake up call stop we we, we will see we will see. <laughs> All right. I think, hold on. I think basically some team in the West will get him because the West is more competitive at the bottom. Teams need, uh, you know, cheap bodies they can get in that can have high upside. And so... All the I teams think, he mentioned were in the West. At minimum, he's going to the West and we'll see exactly which team he goes to.
0: All right. Let's get into a game we want to play here called the enemy or bus. DeMarcus is going to give you all the head coaching vacancies that have been filled already in the NFL. And I am going to let you know whether or not I would have taken Eric the or the other guy. It's crazy. He doesn't have a job right now. There were seven vacancies. Mm-hmm. Five of them have been filled and Eric the for the second year in a row after being one of the top candidates still does not
1: have a job yeah i think us along with many 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 people in the media will are going to call this what it is and it's 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 structural racism it's it's problems within our society our country the nfl etc where for someone black to you know advance the, in their in their position in their in their career the profession et cetera, um, you know, the old saying is you got to be twi- twice as good to get half as much. So let's get into it with the Lions. They hired Dan Campbell, who has never even been a coordinator in the NFL. He was um, an interim coach for the Dolphins, and he was the um, tight ends coach for the Saints as well as the assistant head coach. Beanie or bust? This one I'm going with Beanie,
0: and Campbell is guaranteed to be a bust. The biggest thing about this one for me is that this burns at the idea of being successful means that you cannot get a head coaching position because you're still coaching in the off-season, well, in the postseason, so you can't get all your interviews ahead or they don't think you can get your staff in time because you will be busy, right? Dan Campbell signed his deal today on Wednesday for a six-year deal. Dan Campbell was coaching since Sunday. Like Sunday was the last day he coached, the Saints played. And we knew that Dan Campbell was going to be hired well before Sunday. They had mm-hmm. made this decision. So it's kind of another one of those things they use to poke at Eric Biennami for why he's not getting it. We see somebody in the same interview cycle in that same situation basically get hired. And for me, this guy's never been an OC, he's never been a DC. Mm-hmm. He has significantly less experience than Eric Biennami. Has mm-hmm. a 13 year
1: NFL coaching career. Well, not to mention the Lions also fired uh, what's his name two years ago, who was a good coach, nine and seven Caldwell, who was black and was good and had them at nine and seven. So maybe it's the people running the team. Let's go on to the Los Angeles Chargers, who've recently hired Brandon Staley. Really quickly, Brandon Staley has started off his coaching career in 2006 as a GA at Northern Illinois, has worked. At in the college ranks, um, at D three, at Thomas, at Hutchinson Community College, at Tennessee, Um, he has been the linebackers coach for the Bears and Broncos in the NFL, and served only one year as the defensive coordinator for the Rams. They were a top defense, but be enemy or bust. Be enemy.
0: I'm not going to say Staley is a bust, but this does not seem like a good fit for the Chargers. The Chargers have a quarterback that we think is going to be exceptional for the next decade in Justin Herbert, and they get a defensive head coach.
1: Yeah, that's the reason number one.
0: What, uh, more, what else you got? Only one year as a coordinator. Mm-hmm. Led a good defense. The has gone on his third year as a coordinator, mm-hmm. right? And in 2018, when he became a coordinator, he... First in yards, right? Third most points in a season. Mahomes becomes the second quarterback to put up 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. Lost the AFC championship. To Tom Brady, I believe. To Tom Brady, I believe, on a uh, offsides penalty. Mm -hmm. Like a neutral zone in faction is really the only reason why they lost that. Next year, wins a Super Bowl. This year goes 15-1. and By and far the best offense in the NFL. In my opinion, what, when you say otherwise. What's going on? Like, what's going on? Like, how is the resume he is not put to, to? He is put together not better than Brandon Staley's one year as a defensive coordinator. I would even argue it's twice as good.
1: Some would say three times. I, I digress. Let's move on to the Falcons, who recently hired Arthur Smith. So Arthur has also had a long coaching career, but it started much later. Um, he started off his career at the University of North Carolina and then worked for today, what we call the Washington football team, um, and then went to Ole Miss and finally joined the Titans in 2011. He worked his way up through the Titans uh, to be their OC. He started off as an offensive quality, co- uh, offensive quality control coach, became a Titans coach, and then eventually uh, the offensive coordinator once Matt LaFleur left. Um, he has h- had a lot of success in Tennessee thus far. Tannehill, um, who's his quarterback, won Comeback Player of the Year. Derrick Henry rushed for 2,000 yards. The offense was overall second in yards in 2020. And there were rumors when Matt LaFleur left for Green Bay that he wanted Smith to be his OC there. But uh, that's the same question. B-Enemy or
0: bust? I'm still on B-Enemy here, but I don't think Arthur Smith is a bust. Now, it makes a lot of sense the Titans' offense has been particularly good. Also, Derek Henry has just been a insane monster. So we'll do another thing that people like to do to Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy's offense is always so good because you know Patrick Mahomes is a generational talent, and it's hard to have a bad offense with somebody that's just that great. It's hard to have a bad offense with the best running back in the NFL. The only two years you've been an offensive coordinator mm-hmm. be your running back. He has the Russian title for those two years. If your quarterback is just really getting all of his bread and butter off of play action, that is really effective when you have the best running back in the NFL. So you are saying correlation, not causation. I'm saying people say correlation, not causation for Eric bien but somehow we did not get that conversation for Arthur Smith. Okay,
1: i I will move on. Let's go up to the New York Jets. So they hired Robert Sella, I think that's how you say his name. And Sala. Sala. Um, He's a former high school and D2 player himself. He, after college, went to work in finance. And then once 9-11 happened, was scared back into football. He thought it was a bad omen to work in finance after that. He came in uh, to the league under Pete Carroll as a quality control coach. Eventually worked his way up and worked with Pete Carroll and Cal Shanahan. He's been a coach in the league for 16 years and the D coordinator for San Francisco for the past four years. Biennemi or bust? I like this one. Robert Sala is a good
0: pick to me, and I think it's reasonable that they didn't take Eric Biennemi here. Even though Eric Biennemi is an offensive guru, Right? people think his only success was with the Chiefs. But he was actually the running backs coach for the Vikings when AP was in his prime.
1: Ah, I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: those, that AP MVP season. And they're like, no one ever coached AP as hard as Eric bien did. And you think that you would want somebody who's like, clearly can coach great running backs. You have no running game. You need to create that there. But also can coach great passing games. You see what he's doing with the Chiefs. And you think Sam Darnold is the guy. Someone needs to unlock that talent. But I get this because they wanted to kind of flip their script, right? They went offense before, thought this OC guy would get it done. They're going to defense. They want to make their defense better. Their defense was atrocious, right? And this guy has proven success. The 49ers defense has been a consistently great defense the entire time he's been a coordinator for them.
1: From what I remember, he took over for some pretty bad Niners defenses that got multiple people fired in consecutive years. And made them good. And I love that. And he's also a guy that seems to
0: command the room, can get people to buy in, and that's what the Jets need, a culture reset. And he seems like he's the guy that can create that for them. So I actually love this pick for them. I think the Jets might finally get it right.
1: Um, I will add one more thing. Besides being qualified for this job, since we're bashing on the NFL for diversity, uh, Robert Um, is the first Muslim head coach in the NFL as well. So I guess congrats are in order for Robert. I, I like it. I cannot complain about this pick. Now, this next one is seen as the sexy pick of these recent coaching hires. We moved down to Florida and the Jacksonville Jaguars, who recently hired Urban Meyer, who is a name that many of you probably know. He has no NFL experience, but has won multiple national championships, in college football at both Florida and Ohio State. He's known as a great recruiter in college, charismatic, known for turning places around and building them up from nothing. But his last two stops have been mirrored in controversy when he left, most recently at the Ohio State, where there was a domestic violence controversy that came out with his coaching staff after he left that it appeared that he helped hide or cover it up. But overall, he has about 15 years of head coaching experience at the college level and about 30 years of head coaching experience overall. BNME or bust? This is the other one that I'm gonna say I am okay with.
0: But most importantly, another knock people like to say for B is personal issues in his past, like far past, not even like recent past, and how that should keep him out of the coaching discussion and might be what keeps him out. But as you just said, recent scandal and scandal in the place before Mm -hmm. however he is still hired Mm -hmm. so again the excuses that people use to knock down the are starting to not make sense when you watch all the other head coaches that are getting hired but i like urban meyer for two reasons the first is that he is a proven winner he's a proven Mm -hmm. leader of men he can put together a staff He can delegate to that staff effectively and win championships, even though he hasn't done it on the NFL level. The second is the Jags are bad, so they have a ton of draft capital. This is a guy that should knock the draft out of the park consistently for a couple of years. He should know the college game better than any other head coach who's drafting. Exactly. So he should knock this draft out of the park, and the Jaguars are trying to get a full rebuild. They are the worst team in the NFL, 1-15. in So you got picks. And you're gonna need to rotate heavy. So I like Urban Meyer as a rebuilding guy, and that's not where I wanted to see EB go anyway.
1: Uh one comment on Urban, and then I'll close this out. When the Cowboys were doing their coaching search last year, I actually think I may have wanted Urban Meyer, especially now, more than Mike McCarthy. I don't blame you. Um and I and especially hindsight, you know, being 2020 and all, ha ha. ha <laughs> I think I, I stand by that. I think I today would still want Urban Meyer to coach the Cowboys over Mike McCarthy, who's was pointing in the right direction at the end of the season, but has not inspired any great confidence in me as a Cowboys fan that he's going to get it done. And to close us out, I will tell you all about a book I've been reading recently that goes along perfectly with this segment. And maybe you'll check it out too. It's called mediocre. (laughs) And it's about the history of mediocre white men and how they have impacted all kinds of people in our great country and kept them from getting what they deserve. And I think at least a few guys on this list who we said the enemy over could are be mediocre. described as mediocre white guys.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: Um, and that's all I'll say about that. The enemy needs to get a job and hopefully a good job because the two that are left are terrible. They're not real hot. I don't want them. The last guy won a Super Bowl
0: and two years later was kicked out because him and his quarterback couldn't get along. The Texans need no introduction.
1: They we might... talked about them at nauseum on here.
0: They're going to lose like a top 5 quarterback. Possibly also lose JJ Watt. No one wants to play for them and everybody
1: thinks your ownership is racist. Well, I think well, at least the past owner is racist. I don't know about his son who's taking over, but they they have some real racist tendencies. If I'll your say dad that, had a I, lot of money I, I, and raised you saying shit
0: like don't let the prisoners run the prison
1: Yes, You just believe that he did not absorb any of his father's beliefs? No, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. He just has not demonstrated that yet in public. So I'm saying likely racist, racist tendencies. I'm not yet willing to go so far as to call the son racist yet. Don't want EB anywhere near these two jobs because oh, yeah.
0: no retread on the tires. That's the thing. You get one shot especially as an African American head coach, which means that Even if you get offered these jobs, he should probably turn them down and just wait for a better opportunity because you'll take it thinking, and someone actually told me this, someone from Houston who of course wanted them to get Eric bien because he's amazing. It's like, but he should take it because they don't get many opportunities in the first place. But he, hopefully he has a longer time horizon than that.
1: Hopefully for coaches, he's still relatively young. He's 52, but again, lots of, mediocre white men even some good white men have gotten jobs in their early 30s without any coordinator or head coach experience we wish the best for eric Bieniemy. looks like it's probably not going to happen this year don't know what else the nfl can do to incentivize teams to hire black coaches especially when they are eminently qualified um i hope this gets better but i, I don't think it will
0: Welcome to the heart of our show, our final segment, Baller's Bouquet. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative thing athletes do and never want to give them the credit where credit is due. Here,
1: we like to make a change. And boy, a change we're going to make. Bills, Mafia, this is for you. The Buffalo Bills, Mafia, their fans, and all of those who donated um, to Uh, Lamar Jackson's favorite charity, Blessings in a Backpack, you are the recipient of this week's Baller's Bouquet. So for those who have not heard this heartwarming story, let me tell you all about it. During last weekend's NFL Divisional Playoff game between the Baltimore Ravens and Buffalo Bills, Ravens quarterback and former league MVP Lamar Jackson suffered a concussion during the third quarter and had to leave the game. Now, a lot of NFL fan bases that I know would have loved this. Some might even have cheered on um, after Lamar was injured because it's a good thing for their team. Are you talking
0: about the Raptors? Are you sneak dissing the Raptors?
1: Oh, no, 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 no. I'm I am not sneak dissing the Raptors. I am straight up dissing the Eagles fans who <laughs> cheered on as Michael Irvin suffered a catastrophic spinal injury in 1999 and actively cheered during his injury and have been also known to cheer for other teams' injuries as well. Philly fans are terrible. They're horrible people. Uh, No sneak diss. I'm coming straight (laughs) at the front. You're bad. I move on. I digress. So, uh, Bills Mafia did a very different thing here. They're they're not like the Eagles fans at all. Uh, They felt bad for Lamar. They wanted Lamar you know, to get better, to recover. And I think these fans took the approach that a lot of at least attitudinal approach that a lot of coaches take, which is that we don't want to beat you when you're you're hurt and you're injured. We want to beat you at your best. But since they weren't able to do that, they were celebrating. The Bills are in the AFC championship game. They've won playoff games in the division for the first time since like 1993. And so the Bills mafia And their fans all got online on Twitter and the interwebs, you know, the social media stuff. And they started donating money to Lamar Jackson's favorite charity that operates out of Louisville, Kentucky. And over 13,000 Bills fans donated a little over $360,000. So along with all their generous donations, Bills Mafia tweeted out encouraging messages for Lamar Jackson. They said things like, Lamar is one of my favorite players in the league. And even though my team won, the league is better with him healthy and playing well. I hope he recovers soon. They said, this is an awesome charity that Lamar Jackson has supported in the past. Let's show them some, t- some, some love tonight in Lamar's honor. Get well soon, Lamar. Things like, all right, Bills Mafia, you know what to do. Donate eight dollars for a charity that Lamar has supported in the past. And last but not least, Bills Mafia magic tonight, buddies and I are de- buddies and I decided we wanted to start donating eight dollars to Lamar Jackson's favorite charity in Louisville for him to get better. Help spread the word. Three hundred and sixty k. That's a lot of money. Yes, it is. And it's going to go to a very good cause. Let me tell you a little bit about this charity now. So besides just being the favorite charity of Lamar Jackson, they actually do a very important job in our community that is often underlooked and underserved. So the charity is again called Blessings in a Backpack, and they help feed children who might otherwise go hungry. Uh, From their website, they say, quote, as closures caused by COVID-19 lead to a rise in unemployment and poverty, it is projected that 18 million children are experiencing food insecurity That's one in four American children who may be struggling with access to food. The consequences of hunger are much more than a growing stomach or a growling stomach. Poor nutrition can result in a weaker immune system, increased hospitalization, lower IQ, shorter attention spans and lower academic achievement. Children are fed during the school week by the federal government programs, and we wanted to make sure they're getting nutritional meals over the weekend, too. So Blessings in a Backpack is a 501c3 nonprofit organization who helps feed 89,000 uh, 89, children in the fall of 2020 at more than 1,000 schools in 46 states and the District of Columbia. Only about $130 will feed a student for all 38 weeks of the school year. If you want to go donate, maybe you want to pitch in $8, maybe you're part of the Bills Mafia, Maybe you're just a good person and doesn't want to see hungry kids. You know, we got to feed the children. So go ahead and donate some money. You can go to their website, which is blessingsinabackpack.org. Anything will help feed these great children. Congrats to Bills Mafia for your outstanding sportsmanship. Y'all, 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 y'all is Tony Playboy.
0: All right. That is it for episode 19 of the fly route podcast. As always, we want to thank each and every single one of you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the things that we have to say. We appreciate all of y'all as always. We want to know what you all think are the new look nets guaranteed to
1: get to the NBA finals. And what should the NFL do about their black coaches problem? Because they're down one right now and they obviously the solution so any good idea can help them go ahead and tweet at us and at them all right catch us everywhere at the fly route pod and we will see
0: you all next friday